You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Hello, movie lovers, and Happy New Year to everybody. I know that we've been kind of on a break for like the last three days and everything. It was just the fact that I wanted to be able to spend some time with my family and everything and just enjoy the new year, bring in the new year with them. So I actually took some time off just focusing on that. It's just good to go on ahead and be back again with you guys to be able to talk about movies. And this is Charlie Woodman. We actually have a little thing that we're actually going to be doing for tonight's episode. We're actually going to be talking about the worst movies of 1996 and this is actually the year in review of the worst movies of 1996 if you guys hadn't caught on to our first one that we've done which is the best movies of 1996 i recommend that you guys go in and check that out in the in the matter of fact on the youtube channel or wherever you get your podcast from so with further ado let's go on ahead and talk about some of the movies that we didn't mention that was on the best list and everything and then we'll go from there with the worst all right, so um, my first, the like my number five on my for my honorable mentions, I had this movie called The Last Man Standing. It was a uh, kind of like more of a modern version of um, one of the Clint Eastwood uh, western movies. I think uh, the I think it's the man of no the man with no name or whatever. It's kind of like he essentially Bruce. It started Bruce Willis, and it's just more of a actiony take on that movie yeah, i think um and essentially where he, bruce willis was playing like a guy that's been like kind of put two like two competing um gains against each other or whatever um i think it, it was an actiony movie it's got a lot i had um no i thought it was pretty cool um, and okay. i saw a lot of the action speeches on the, on youtube before i saw the movie so i knew it was coming <laughs> all right so this is my honorable mention, and get this, I didn't even know that this movie came out in 1996 up until I actually did some research on it, and that is the fact Jackie Chan's very first movie that he made for the United States was Rumble in the Bronx, and this movie is really good. This is actually one of my favorite martial arts movies that starred Jackie Chan and also put him on the radar as one of the best uh, action actors that we have working today, doing his own stunt work, breaking every single bone in his body to do these stunts and everything. I really love the storyline with Jackie. He's just this guy who flies in from Hong Kong. He's in New York visiting his uncle, and all of a sudden, this whole entire shit just hits the fan. Once his uncle leaves for his honeymoon and everything, he gets... And, Matter of fact, what winds up happening is he gets involved with his next door neighbor, with his uncle's next door neighbor's uh, kid, and everything with the teenage daughter, and also too with uh, with the brother as well. And next thing you know, it 
he's part of this whole entire gang war that's part of the Bronx and everything. And Jackie's just trying to protect the Bronx. He's just trying to do a lot of stuff that's actually good, but he winds up having a lot of damage later on towards the end of this film and everything too, whenever you actually look at this film. And because when I mean by damage, I mean by the fact that he's trying to do the right thing, but at the same time, he brings a lot of casual damage with him because of the fact that the gang's being involved in this film. And it's actually targeting him. It's targeting people that he loves. This movie's really good. It has some comical aspects to it, especially with the martial arts. It also has a lot of violent stuff, something that we don't really get a lot from Jackie anymore that much. But still, overall, a good movie. So oh, that's probably the name of the movie that uh, um, the last Fistful of Dollars. That's essentially, it was a more modern take on a fistful of dollars, essentially. Okay. Um, the next movie I had on my next movie I had on my list, uh, number four, is the Sylvester Stallone action slash disaster movie Daylight. I thought it was entertaining. Um, it's Stallone. I typically don't like, like, I typically don't, like, hate a lot of his movies, but there's a bunch of, there's a few of them I don't like, but this was decent. I got what I asked for. <laughs> Right, and get this, that was actually supposed to be his retirement film, because at that time, he was like, I'm done with action movies, I'm going to focus on other things, and then he comes back out with another action movie after that, because he figured out that doing stuff outside of his realm in the late 90s or early in the late 90s was not something that he can do, because people always relate to the fact that he could do action movies, and that's all they, that's all they know him by, so therefore, mm -hmm. anything outside of that realm that he was trying to do just didn't work. Yeah. So let's see. With my number four, I actually, well, my number four is actually going to be The Birdcage, starring mm -hmm. um, Robin Williams. This movie is actually ahead of its time, especially when you look at the LGBT community and stuff like that. This movie is just funny, it's comical. I like the fact that he gave Tim Robbins a chance to actually play a female led role that's actually played by a, a straight man who's supposed to be gay, but I'm actually happy that he actually gave the tim robbins to go ahead to do that since he did mrs Bellfire. i thought that was actually pretty cool and you know you actually have jane hackman in this movie he's playing a congressman and of course being in the political realm during those in the 90s and everything being gay and all that stuff was actually something that was actually frowned upon which also actually um is something that if you're around someone that is gay or anything like that and also running for congress it's not a good thing back in the 90s so jane hackman is running for congressman and of course, Robin Williams' son, who's actually engaged to Jane, Jane Hackman's daughter, is actually uh, making them meet for the very first time. And of course, he's married to Tim Robbins. I thought this movie was really good. I thought this movie had a lot of heart. It had a lot of comical aspects, a lot of drama to it as well. I like it how Robin Williams is telling uh, them how to dance on stage. Madonna, Madonna, Madonna walking across the stage. I love that scene. I love also the scene where he's trying to teach Tim Robbins how to actually spread the um, spread the butter on his bread. He goes, mm -hmm. we then don't dab. We spread. We spread <laughs> across it. We don't dab. <laughs> and it's just comical. Robin Williams, Tim Robbins is great and everything whenever they're collaborating together. So if you've ever seen The Birdcage or anything like that, check out The Birdcage. It's yeah. the time. The LGBT um, I'm familiar with it. I actually haven't really seen it. Who? I have not seen it. I've, I've heard of it. I just haven't seen it. 
Right. It's it's really good. It's comical. I mean, it's it has its moments where it's not fu that funny, and, and there's moments where it's actually hysterical. But overall, mm -hmm. it's a good movie. Uh, nice. So what's your next? So what's the next one right. that you have for your honorable mentions? All right, the next I have is my number third. Is a uh, it's the uh, Wayne's Brothers uh, kind of parody. Uh, Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. This movie was funny. Oh, yeah. This was this. It was someone was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. This came out here. It's just the Wayne's Brothers. This parody is like the opening sequence of him talking like in the car and open, and then he uh, opens up the car door and then the and hit like your any like or the, the guy on the bicycle and he just gives that or the the opening is like happy birthday to you and then and then suddenly someone gets shot and then mom's like oh my god oh, wait this is not my son <laughs> it's or the other the part Wayne. where right, right it's comical yeah. it's classic yeah Wayne, the Wayne's brothers were just it's just hysterical <laughs> you see another thing though too i loved about this film was okay there's two scenes that jump out at me or maybe three scenes there's one woman inside the convenience store where the Chinese woman is over there and so, and he's over there. The black people come in, Dwayne's brought the Wayne's brothers come in and she's like, how do you up and buy? How do you up and buy? And she's, she's in the uh, ice. <laughs> she's actually in the cooler. She's actually in the, uh, she's also behind the counter. She's behind every single thing that you can think of just for them to hurry up and buy an item. And everything, yeah. and then there's also another part though too, where Mar uh, where Damon winds up sleeping. Not Damon, but the other brother. Uh, forgot what is what the other brother's Sean, name is. Sean um, Wayans, huh? Marlon yeah. and Sean Wayans. Yeah. Sean, Sean. When Sean is sleeping with this one girl, and he's on top, and then they get done with everything. She goes, "I'm pregnant." He goes, he goes "Wow, that fast?" He goes, "Yeah, that's what happens around here." <laughs> Just started laughing my ass off. And then, what did we say to the well, nice was, guy? <laughs> what was it? Sorry. Then it's like, what did we say to the nice guy? Are you my daddy? <laughs> <laughs> or the sequence in the uh, outside in the parking lot? Him, like um, Marlon Wayans, got a uh, he's controlling a nuke. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's or, having or an he's apple. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or he's or like the one sequence is like the montage or like or like the flashback where he's having sex with this girl because um he they're trying to do it while they're while their mom's at a church and then a mom walks in on them and she's like can I be part of the party <laughs> or something <laughs> I forgot yeah, the line <laughs> that is sounded like familiar from that movie it's been a long time since I saw it but I just remembered it was just just the opening was just funny. <laughs> It was it was funny. I mean, it represents boys in the hood. It makes fun of those movies. It makes fun of just about every single, uh, gang yeah, basically gangster film that you can actually think that was supposed to be taken seriously, and they turned it around and make it a spoof movie, which is actually one yeah. of my top ten list or five list. Whenever uh, ACS and I did a whole entire top five ten list of spoof movies. Uh, so oh, nice. let's see here. Another thing I have on my list, I actually have. The Cable Guy with Jim Carrey. Oh, nice. And this movie is a dark comedy. Of course, it's about Jim Carrey. And, you know, this is what I thought that was actually pretty cool, was this. Um, it's a dark comedy, which stars Jim Carrey, and he also plays a cable guy. Matthew Broderick is in this movie, and he gets kicked out of his girlfriend's house. And basically, 
he has to try and survive on his own without her. And so Jim Carrey winds up trying to hook up his cable. At that point in time, he actually gets introduced to him as Chip Douglas. And, of course, Matthew Broderick doesn't even realize at that time that Chip Douglas is just based off of a character off of television. So Jim Carrey <laughs> is over there. Is, so before you know it, Jim Carrey and him are actually building a relationship, building a friendship. Jack Black is in this movie. This is actually one of my fa- one of my favorites. I actually own the soundtrack to this movie because I love the soundtrack so nice. much. I remember going into Blockbuster buying that uh, buying the CD, and because of how iconic it was. But you know, as this is not everybody's favorite cup of tea or whatever, but I definitely love the jousting between Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick whenever they go into uh, medieval times, and when they go into medieval times. I don't have you ever seen the movie? I actually haven't. Okay. I'm familiar when they go with into, Okay. When they go into medieval times, Jim Carrey takes a piece of pizza and puts it on his face and he acts like he's from um let's see, from Silence of the Lambs. Your silence <laughs> of the lambs. And then <laughs> he just and the next thing you know it, the, even the get this, even the waitress is even bored out of her mind. Everything, here's your beer. I'm so glad. Welcome to medieval time. <laughs> Enjoy the jousting. Goes, is it? And then goes, you guys have been selected to be in the jousting competition. <laughs> but yeah, it's actually a pretty, this movie's fun. It has its comical moments. It has some dark comedy in it. Owen Wilson's in this movie is a little cameo as well. Because Owen nice. Wilson actually gets the shit beat out of him by uh, Jim Carrey in the bathroom scene. <laughs> nice. So I mean, it, yeah. I mean, the pizza in the face. It it wouldn't surprise me because that's just Jim Carrey. I mean, it's just. I mean, if he can talk out of his ass in Ace Ventura, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Man, I was bummed that this that, that the Ace Ventura Pet Detective didn't come out in '96 because I would have included that on my list. That movie is just hilarious. I agree. Jim Carrey can do just about anything. He can put himself in different types of positions with his body, the facial mo- movements and everything. It's just it's just funny about the way he actually does things. So, you know, I thought that was actually good. So, yeah. So, let's go on ahead and go into your next one. Alright, my name Um, I have... Uh... Boz Lerman's take on Romeo and Juliet as my number two. Um, okay. With uh, Leo, Leo DiCaprio and uh, Claire Danes. I got that as my number two. That movie was just entertaining. It was. Okay. Tell me some of the things that you liked about that. Well, I mean, um, I, I knew about Romeo and Juliet from high school, but I never watched that version of the movie until I was in college when I was um, in my film class. And we watched it, and then this the opening, like, it was shot in a TV. It was mo- a more modern take on it because guns. I mean, it, the guns has made it more modern. Um, the casting was great. I mean, you got Leo. Um, the brief appearance by Paul Rudd was, like, he doesn't say anything. He's just, he's just, uh, he shows up briefly in the, as a, in a, dressed up as a costumer. He's an astronaut. He's the, I think he's the guy that's originally dating uh, Juliet briefly in the in the movie but it's like you, oh hey look it's paul rudd <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
But yeah, I, I mean, watched, right. I remember in yeah, theater class TV we watched TV. it. Right. I remember yeah. in theater class we watched it, but I watched it before theater class and all that stuff though too. Yeah. I love the guns. I like John Leguizamo that's in this movie yeah. though too. I love, I love the I actor that played Mercutio. Um, like the, the guy that played Link from the Matrix was Mercutio. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And and then the soundtrack after Leo uh, uh, after Romeo shot Tibble, like him running, like 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 kind of like 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 suspense music, like somebody's about to get killed, and like he's running, like something intense is happening. Like, yeah, is this the soundtrack that's made it intense? Right. I think I actually own a piece of the soundtrack, I think, back in the day. I don't remember. But, you know, I thought the soundtrack was really good. It worked for what they were trying to do, making a more of a modern spin on it, using the modern day music and everything. And then, of course, mm-hmm. I liked it. Like I said, I liked the thing with the guns where they actually use that as a reference to, to sword. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. All right. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is... Uh, do you have anything else that you want to add for your best list, or you're good? I got one more. Um, if you okay. want to discuss your one thing, um, no, I'll like, yeah. No, no, no. Go on ahead. No. Okay, my last one I have is my number was uh, I believe it was Jet Li's next movie. Um, I think his might have been his second. Like, no, I think he he did uh, Lethal Weapon four uh, first before he did this. It was the movie called Black Mask? Okay, I haven't it's seen a, that one. It's a, it's an, it's a kind of like, um, it's kind of one of those like, um, the it's dubs. You probably have to worst listen subtitles, but it's an, it's a martial arts action movie, which, um, uh, his character, like, it's kind of like a superhero in a sense, um, in which all these like at a young age, these kids were, uh, um, like injected with something by a government agency to become like murder weapons, and Jet Li's one of them, but he he actually does, he's actually fighting for good. I mean, it's like, it's been a long time since I saw it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is a pretty good action movie. It's got a lot of martial arts action in it. There's guns. It's a uh, very early Jet Li. Okay. I th- I think it was before he did Lethal Weapon. Either he, it was right after he did Lethal Weapon, uh, Lethal Weapon 4 or like right before it. It was like, it's in that early Jet Li range. Because like he wasn't well known in the States. All right, I'm going to have to check that one out. So let's go on ahead and do our top list of worst movies. All right. So since you did your best one, I'm actually going to start off with number six because I did like six of them. Okay. Okay. So I did. So my first one is actually going to be my number six, which is Mission Impossible. Okay. Which I know is on your list, but. It is. The reason why I have this on my list is, yes, it's the start of the franchise. It's the start of uh, Tom Cruise being in Mission Impossible. It also has, of course, the TV show that everybody was referencing before this movie came out and everything. So there was no other movies, no other sequels before this one. The only thing they had to go after was just the TV show in itself. Yeah. So that was something that I thought that was actually pretty cool. Now, with Tom Cruise and everything, I feel like this plot is very it's not bland it's not a bland um plot at all it's the whole fact that i feel like nobody understands what the hell is actually going on in this film Mm -hmm. i feel like it's one of those movies where you know no one knows what's going on and there's a lot of dialogue in this film 
to the point where like, okay, you're not showing us certain things. Things are not lining up that well for me to actually understand what's going on. The disguises are cool. The gadgets are actually pretty cool. I love the whole entire scene where Tom is actually, Ethan Hunt is actually hanging down in the bungee cords and stuff like that. going through the lasers. Yeah. Which is also used in almost every single spoof movie that you've seen in the 90s. But yeah. I really love that scene for what it is. Now, that one scene, to me, does not make this movie good or anything like that. and does not amplify my level of excitement for this movie. But I can't respect the stunt work that was actually laid out in front of us with that. But the misuse of the gum exploding as well when it replaces on the tank, on the fish tank. On the tank, yeah. I'm like, come on, you couldn't use that like on a car, let it be like some type of explosion or something. Use it on a fish tank to get out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also like the fact that Mario Estevez is in this movie, though. Briefly. <laughs> yeah, the elevator winds up killing him and stuff like that. But, you know, I just didn't think that this movie was that great. What about you? No, I didn't. It's just I was disappointed. I mean, just like the startup because, like, it, like you said, it was way too much talking. I mean, it's just, I mean, just to have the main guy from the TV show turn out to be bad, the main main player be bad, just to turn on Ethan Hunt. I mean, it's like kind of a weird passing of the torch, and I didn't really get that. I mean, they, they, like the time period that I mean. Some of the stuff was cool. I mean, I liked how they brought in, uh, like, Luther. I thought that was cool about how, like, how Luther is, like, how he becomes his best friend, like, throughout the whole series. Um, it's just, I, I think, like I said, they think it was just too much. I mean, this, they're ra- killing off of the random people on his team. I'm like, Mission Impossible is not meant to be a murder mystery. It's meant to be an action movie. It's, it's right. It's actually supposed to be like a spy type movie and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, there's nothing spy yeah. about it. Um, no. The only interesting, the only interesting part of it is like the one guy. I think him, like the one guy that was the bad guy that was in the beginning in the restaurant. The one talking about like before he escaped. Um, <laughs> that guy is returning for the new one, the new Mission Impossible. Right. And I have to agree with Tara on this one. I know Mission Impossible. Yeah, I agree. No one really knows what is going on at no. the beginning. No. And well, it has I a good character. Yeah, it does. Um, but it's going to be interesting if people go back and watch the original, the very first one, before the new one comes out in November of this year. Because one of the guys that was in the original, it's not the uh, not the John Boyd character, but it's the guy he was meeting in the restaurant. Um the one is like, do you you can't really escape this one. Like, you're going down, Ethan. That guy is returning for Mission Impossible Seven. Oh. Okay, I might actually watch the first one just to see that character again because it's been years I since I've seen the version. I think that's what I read not too long ago about that, and that's like, oh, okay. Um, but no, it's like, I mean, after that number, Mission Impossible is my least favorite out of every single one of them. I loved all the other ones. I mean, like, and then go from Mission Impossible 1 to, and then again, John Woo from Mission Impossible 2, which has, is on a lot of people's least favorite Mission Impossible. It's one of my favorites. It's entertaining. It's this one of those action-y movies. The soundtrack is great because you got Han, um, Hans Zimmer doing the music for this musical score for Mission Impossible 2. John Woo directing it. I mean, it's like, and then it has one of the most infamous spoofs by Ben Stiller. <laughs> right. 
And you say I like Mission Impossible too. Yeah, that's great. And then Mission Impossible and then Mission Impossible two happened, and then then you is I guess here, and you got Mission Impossible three like right up here, like it in the intensity. I mean, that was an intense movie. <laughs> okay, so what's your next one? All right, my uh, my first one from my uh, least favorite of uh, two, 1996. It's a movie called Maximum Risk, which has it's those weird time ones that came out with Jean Claude Van Damme and I think uh, Natasha Henstrick or whatever came out. It just it was yeah, didn't do anything See, I haven't for seen me. That one. Okay. It's uh, it's like yeah, it's like I can't really I don't remember the plot of it. I watched it not too long ago, but it's. You know, Jean-Claude Van Damme's in it, you know, there's going to be, like, action and stuff, but it just, I've seen better from him. <laughs> right, and get this, there was actually a Van Damme movie that came out in 1996 as well, which was The Quest. That was another one that he yeah. came out with. Yeah, I don't remember uh, that one that much. <laughs> that one was pretty good. It was pretty decent. It's yeah. not one of, people might say it's not one of his best films, but I actually enjoyed it for what it was. Um... So let's see. My number five would be Lawnmower Man Two. Okay. <laughs> and this is actually the sequel to Lawnmower Man Part One, of course. And okay. basically, in the first one, it has Pierce Brosnan in it, and he plays this uh, scientist who has like this virtual reality type of realm. Joe is kind mm-hmm. of slow. He's, not, he's like, I want to say the best way to describe Joe is the fact that he's actually. Um, mentally challenged if you will and okay. so he drops him up into this virtual reality type of setting and it actually counteracts it with his brain to where he's actually goes into this whole entire thing he winds up becoming smarter mm. than the first one to the point where he actually has telekinesis powers he has a bunch of other stuff it was also based off of a Stephen King novella or novel then this second one comes out and get this one more man part one wasn't good at all had bad reviews, mm-hmm. had was piss poor at the box office. And then Lawnmower Man 2 comes out with this futuristic kind of style that happens in 30, 40 years later. And mm-hmm. it's called, I forgot, I think it's like Cyber Something is what it's called, but mm-hmm. I just remember it wasn't that, that great of a movie, but I still wanted to give it a chance because of the fact mm-hmm. that I remember the first one. But it, it wasn't that great, and that's all pretty much I have to say about the Lawnmower Man too. I don't think you've heard of that one at all. No, I don't, I've heard of them. I've just never seen them because they sound horror, and it's Stephen <laughs> King, and I'm not I'm not a really horror guy. Right. You see, I like Stephen King's work, so that's what made me check out Lawnmower Man Part One. I was disappointed. So, uh, all right. So, what's your um, number four? All right, my next one is um um my number nine is Independence Day. I was personally, like, as I know it's on your top. I'm not, right. I, like, I caught on to it very late. I caught on maybe a couple of years, like, like way, like, maybe, like, late, uh, maybe, like, 2012s, 2013s. I caught on to, watched it late. I just had a lot of stuff going on. I just didn't really catch, the, watched it. Um, I just, I don't know. I was just underwhelmed because I saw a bunch of other disaster movies by Ronald Emmerich. And, I mean, I just, like, I think, like, he did 2012. All right, like that was in two thousand and nine, and I thought that was an entertaining movie. Again, I mean, because I was a like, I mean, that was a big cast too. But it's like I've seen a lot of other disaster movies, and then that going seeing those, and then going Independence Day, I was like, eh. I just, it just didn't really like. 
if I'd caught on to it a lot earlier, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Um, I right. thought Will Smith was fine in it. Um, Joda, uh, um, Jeff Goldblum was great, but other than that, I just, it just, it, I, I caught on to it too late, and it just, it just didn't. Okay. Um, but let's just say that one's a lot better than the sequel. The sequel is this utter garbage that should not even have been made. <laughs> they shouldn't even no. try. I agree with you on that one because I, I heard about whenever they were going to name it Independence Day Forever. I'm like, eh. Okay, I don't want to see this movie. But no, this the, the, but I agree with you. I think at an earlier time you would have probably actually appreciated the film a lot more, just um, like how Frank yeah, and I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 from the visual effects of what they're able to do in 1996 compared to now, I thought that was really cool how they were able to do that at that time period. Um, but it's just, I think I caught on to it too late. Um, but and then again, it's still ten times better than the sequel. Right. Let's see here. Tara said, I enjoyed Independence Day. To me, it was very inter- interesting. I definitely can tell they put a lot of work into the film. So... That's what you had to say about that. Um, is there anything else that you want to add for Independence Day? Because I actually get my thoughts on the positive side of things and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to go into much. Um, but I think that just I caught on to it too late, and this it this was okay. underwhelming to me. Um, that's why I had it lower on my t- like worst of the ten. It's not. I've had way worse movies on that list that's above it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's not the worst of the year for me. Okay. So, my next one, which is my number four, will be Joe's Apartment. Did you ever see this okay. movie? No, I've seen the cover of what it looked like. <laughs> I never heard okay. of it. <laughs> so, Joe's Apartment is about this guy named Joe. He's moving into New York, and he's in this rundown dump of an apartment with cockroaches that can actually sing, dance. Interesting. Yeah. This movie is horrible. <laughs> it's okay. atrocious. It's not something... I remember as a kid going to see the movie theater. Matter of fact, there was a double feature that day. It was this one in Carpool with Tom Arnold. And I enjoy, I enjoy Carpool better than Joe's Apartment. Joe's Apartment sucked ass. Like, seriously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, yeah, basically, too... It, they try to make a plot out of something that's actually crappy. Like, for instance, these rich people who actually are trying to get the mob to move Joe out of his apartment with everybody else is trying to destroy the apartment, the department apartment complex, so the way they can make a parking space out of it. Okay. Well, I'd rather watch Biodem than that. <laughs> you see, I, t- I had a feeling they might actually switch it over to Biodome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I... I, I... <laughs> I mean, come on! So man. Like, I, you remember the main actor that was in Joe's apartment? Wasn't it? I don't think Tom Hanks was in that, was he? I don't. No, 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 no. Tom wouldn't even be no. near this. I don't think. No. I don't even that know who's like in a, it. Sounds like it a Polly Shore <laughs> It does. It really does. Come to Joe's apartment. But yeah. Um. So, Make- what is your next one? All right, my next one. Um. We kind of discussed it already. I had Mission Impossible in this one. Um, it was number eight for me. It was just again we discussed it. I was. It was just. It just didn't like. It was it had so many things. Like all right, let's just put fleeing everything to the wall. 
and like let's try to do the, like the TV show, but let's not make it the TV show. Let's make the guy from the TV show bad and kind of like weird passing the torch to Ethan Hunt. I'm like, okay. they just they get just was all over the place. There were right. some decent moments, but is it enough to counteract the the badness of the movie? No. No. All right. So my other movie is that Ellen DeGeneres movie. <laughs> that came out in 1996. And I like Ellen DeGeneres and everything, still do. But, you know, um, she actually played in a movie with uh, Phil Pullman, I think. Um, the guy, the one, the actor who played on uh, Independence Day. Independence Day. Okay. Yeah. And he was also so, yeah. So, anyways, she's in this movie. And he's actually the co- he's actually the co-star of this movie. It's a ro- rom-com. It's a romantic comedy, but basically okay. she thinks that he met the right guy and everything, and she he totally just becomes somebody else. Like for example, he just goes off the reels, uh, doing crazy stuff like uh, speeding through a highway while she's in the car and everything for no reason. Uh, trying to outrun the cops for no reason, just doing a bunch of crazy crap and everything. That's all I can remember from this movie, but I remember not even laughing in the theater because it just had so much dry humor that, yeah, and it was, like, really dry to the point where I'm, like, and I was, like, maybe 10, maybe 11 years old, so I'm, like, this movie is definitely not for me. Mm-hmm. and everything but it had that feeling that it was actually going to be funny because some of the scenes that was actually in the trailer that I actually enjoyed and I matter of fact I revisited it not too long ago too now that I'm older and it's not yeah. that great okay. so yeah so here's the thing I will try out rom-coms and everything just to try it out so just to see what I think about them and stuff like that just to give it a chance because there are some rom-coms that are really good and then you have really yeah. cliche shitty ones that you normally get but yeah. like, like crazy stupid love. I mean, I watched it. I thought that was that was funny. The twist yeah, in it was, was like, whoa! That was like that was a good twist. I'm not gonna get into it here. So <laughs> we're not we're not that. You should why if you, you get a chance. I mean, a great cast in it though. Great yeah. cast. I enjoyed that. Make, make, I was watching that the other yeah. night. <laughs> yeah, and it, it makes playing uh six degrees of Kevin Bacon so much easier. Just from that movie. <laughs> Definitely. So now that I mentioned Mr. Wrong, what is your next one? Jingle all the way. That's not my number what? seven. That was I, actually- no. I just can't. I mean, it's just some actors are not meant for kid movies. Schwarzenegger to degree, kindergarten cop. That was really the one kid well, not really kid movie, but Movies with dealing with kids. That was great. I mean, he was that. Um, after I go in there, I'll discuss a cool thing I watched regarding Kindergarten Cop. So anyway, just okay. So Schwarzenegger is one of those guys that just just don't try doing kid movies. He's on that list. Dwayne Johnson. He learned that the wrong, like the hard way about being in kid movies because it, it kind of hurt his career. I mean, the Two Fairy. I mean, he, he started out great. Then he did a few kid movies. Yeah, maybe like to broaden her eyes. I mean, the game plan was okay, but right. when you do two fairy, then you got then you got to like okay, I got to do. It. And then luckily, he 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 knew what he was doing. He went from two fairy to faster, and that that's the huge, yep, 
That I mean, faster is like okay. The Rock's got the action gig. He just got it, and then and then of course he joined the Fast and Furious movies afterwards, and he was just. He and that's why he made fun of it because they called it. He called himself franchise Viagra because if you know you got something that's bad and you need help, like he helped GI Joe become awesome. I mean, I mean he he definitely helped GI Joe become awesome, and I killed off Channing Tatum early in the movie too. Helped out too, <laughs> <laughs> right? You see, but it just right jingle all the way. Just, I don't know. It's just like uh, just I don't know. Just like I mean, Sinbad. I mean, just everything just. This is this. I mean, it's see, just like me, this is one I, of the few things I don't like. You see, I actually reviewed this on my channel, by the way, <laughs> too. I actually know. Done I and I actually love this movie, to be honest with you, because I took away the whole entire action aspect of him and everything. I ignored all yeah. that as a kid. And yeah. I like the whole thing between him and um, Phil Hartman. Oh, and okay, Phil Hartman. Because he played uh, the neighbor who's actually always trying to comfort the single woman and stuff like that and mm -hmm. act like that they're, that he's there for the women, but really he's there for himself. And especially whenever he gets a rise out of Arnold, ooh, the cookies, they're so good. And he goes, who told you that you could touch my cookie? Put that cookie down. But I thought that, yeah. I thought, that was a good scene. Sinbad and him was really good pairing up together. I really enjoyed it for what it was. I just turned my brain off for two, half an hour yeah. and watched a movie about him going after this crazy turbo man dog. Yeah, it's um, fine. I mean, I just, it, it, I just didn't really care for it. I just, it just, I mean, I'm like, I'm always like, Schwarzenegger, I always vision him as action. It's very hard to see him otherwise. And right. this I one is just, um, he was great at like, however, Kindergarten Cop was fantastic. I mean, what he did with that, that just that whole movie, and it was pretty f cool because a couple weeks ago they had a reunion of the kids of Kindergarten Cop as adults. And one of the kids, his dad actually works. Um, yeah, his dad actually works. Uh, he's a gynecologist. <laughs> and the kids, <laughs> like, boys have a penis, girls have a giant. So the, the, the real kids, so I, it was cool. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the interview, you hear, like, the guy's like, oh, there's somebody's joining us. Arnold joins the cast of the reunion, and he says, hi, kids. And because no, none of the kids' actors, uh, the, the, the kid actors, knew Schwarzenegger was going to be there. So he just randomly showed up to the reunion. I felt like, but anyway, this scene, how all of them were grown up. And I'm like, yep, I can see the kids in them. But, um, but yeah, kindergarten cop, great. This one so the last okay, so my number two is actually gonna be Jackie Chan's first strike. Okay. Which is also came out in nineteen ninety-six. And mm -hmm. I'm gonna be honest with you, I was let down with this movie out in a lot of ways because I felt like this one, Jackie didn't really have a lot of a lot of action like he normally does in most of his films. I compared to Rumble in the Bronx, our first introduction into him in the United States. I really felt like it didn't. He didn't do that well with this movie, and mm -hmm. and I remember the. Here's the thing. I remember the a, a couple of scenes in this movie that I liked, like for instance the snowmobile thing in the mountains and stuff like that, where he's skiing down and things like that was good. But there was not a lot of action in this movie. It was just basically mm -hmm. Jackie just doing a lot of walking, I guess. But 
I vaguely remember this movie, but I remember also not liking this film. So that's why I have it as my number two. So. It's just funny because he did both an uh, uh, R-rated movie in Rumble in the Bronx and then going from that to PG-13. I mean... <laughs> right. And I didn't but, get why Rumble in the Bronx was R-rated. I, I don't know the action. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Rumble in the Bronx was rated R because it did have cussing in it. It didn't have more, uh, I guess, like the word of the F word being used in it. Uh, okay. um, not to mention whenever Jackie winds up getting the shit beat out of him and having glass, uh, whenever they're actually being the shit out of him and everything, there's a lot of blood and everything on that too. So that's also uh, another thing that it had wrong with it. So there's that. And then, I mean, he uh, doesn't do R yeah, he doesn't do R-rated movies that often. The last movie that he did um, that was in the state side was the... Uh, um, the Foreigner, the, uh, right? The foreign, yeah, Which the was Foreigner with, him and, with Pierce Brosnan. That was... Uh, my dad and I saw that in the theater. That was... It was Chinese Rambo. That's essentially what they called it. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, but though. It, I really enjoyed that. It was entertaining, yeah. I mean, it's just um, like this a, a darker version of Jackie Chan, but the stunts he did in that movie were like, whoa. For him to be as old as he was, he was still getting around pretty yeah. good doing what he does. So, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, okay, my next one that I had, um, my number f- six movie is a movie called Barbed Wire with uh, Pam Anderson, and that was bad. Like, the action wasn't great. Um, the one-liners were just bad. Like, don't call me babe. I mean, and then it's just, I don't know, just everything about it. was like, I was just watching it because I was bored. Like, oh, what is this? Let me check this out. Like, I just got to increase the amount of movies I've seen. I'm like, wow, this was not great. You know what? I remember whenever this movie first came out in the 90s. And, you know, everybody who's a teenager at that time was like, ooh, let's go see Pamela Anderson, who used to be on Babe Watch. And everything and be in this R-rated movie because there's a chance that we might actually see some boobs and stuff like that in it. So that's pretty much what it was actually geared towards. It was geared towards yeah. men that audience, yeah. that kind of audience. So, but once they once everybody came, went out and saw the movie and everything, it was bad. Like, yeah, I, I didn't see this movie until it was like on VHS <laughs> at the time. And I'm like, yeah. I'm just sitting there and I'm watching this movie and she's naked and she shoots somebody while she says, don't call me babe. I'm like, Ugh. okay. I mean, they're, I'm, they're, push, they're kind of push one-liners like crazy. They did. And it was forced. It's different if you do one-liners and it actually works like Fast and the Furious and stuff like that. Yeah. But when you do a movie like this, which I know is supposed to go for the cheesy aspect, it's all about the yeah. delivery of the line. It's all about the context of how it's actually written and also how it's actually blurred out. But with yeah. this, the way she actually did it, it was cringe. No, I mean, like, you have, like, like I mean, also, like, you, know, like you have guys, like, action guys, like Stallone and Schwarzenegger that can deliver these one-liners. Like, like it, for Schwarzenegger's eraser, your luggage or you've just been erased. The delivery of it makes the makes it great. Or in true lies, you're fired. I mean, it's just the delivery is everything. This one was everything was just forced. Right. So uh, let's see here. For my number one, I've got the I got the Crow, City of Angels. Okay. Did you see? That's I know terrible. you saw the first Crow movie. I know you saw the first oh, one. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen all the Crows. I've seen all them and. In- 
Um, I'll get to this one. I also have okay. it as my number one. <laughs> oh, you do? Okay. So that makes it a lot easier. So yeah. we can actually talk about that now then. Uh, so okay. yeah. I remember watching the City of Angels, the Crow City of Angels, matter of fact, when it was first came out in theaters. Okay. And I remember, yeah, I was in fifth grade when this movie came out and I was excited to see this movie after such a long time from seeing the original. Yeah. yeah. And then I came out wondering what the heck did I just watch? There's because no action I, in it. There was, there was no action in it. You have that going on, but not only that, but I didn't care for the acting style and also, too, the lighting in that film didn't amplify what the first one amplified. With the dark no. texture, the dark look to it. Thomas Jane was in this movie as well. Yeah. Something oh, that I thought was pretty fun. Yeah, Vincent Perez was the main guy, and he's he was his mopey the whole time. I'm like, yeah, Brandon Lee's guy was mopey, but he actually did something about it. He got revenge. He like he barely wasn't. He was barely mopey the whole movie. He actually did stuff. He was actually he was funny. I'm like, or just the his delivery. He's like, is that gasoline I smell? Or just I mean, right. Brandon Lee put on a performance in the the yeah. first Crow. This guy was like. He couldn't even act out of a bag. <laughs> no. And then also, too, the villain itself was also kind of mopey, though, too. I didn't really feel like it was a threat. There was the only thing, the problem, no action. Cool I'm like, come on. Well, the cool thing is they actually had the sister from the original film in there. Oh. Okay. But I even though she fell down the stairs and everything, but... That's how she was able to actually, uh, how she was actually to tell him about, um, about what to do with the crow and all that stuff. But I felt like the brother was more menacing in the first film than this other new guy that they actually got in to play the villain. Yeah, like I think it's uh, Michael something. I forgot the last name. Um, yeah, that 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 villain was it was just. He 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 plays good villains. Let's just say he, he's typecast as a villain because he plays good villains. <laughs> Definitely. Now I did enjoy uh, the Crow Salvation a lot better than the second one. Oh, well, the one of Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, that was yeah. a lot better. That was better. Done. Kind of <laughs> wow, Kirsten Dunst movie is actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was actually pretty good. The guy who was playing the Crow was actually really good, but this one yeah. was just shitty. This was terrible. I mean, it was awful. Like I, I've seen it once. I don't want to ever see it again. And that's actually, why. I'm... Oh, actually, in this movie, well, you're a much bigger fan than I am. <laughs> well, I'm like one of those people that have OCD. I can't own one of the movies without owning the others. I mean, I only own The Crow, and that's about it. I mean, it's just, it's just, and how bad that they've been trying to make a a, a next a, a remake of it for years. And how cursed that movie is. They've had at least is. 10 to 20 different directors, 10 to 20 different actors, attached the star, then dropping out. The recent one was Jason Momoa. And then that one, never that. I'm like, just leave it alone. Leave, let Brandon Lee be in peace. Because right. he, that was the, uh, like his best movie. And it's such a shame because he had such a great like he had that he had that charisma. I think he was going to have a great career 
And it's just a he bummer was. to see him go out, to see him die to that young during the Crow, because he was fantastic in that movie. He definitely was. He was a standout in the original Crow movie. I love Brandon Lee for what he did. It's only imagine what he could actually do if he was, you know what I'm saying? If he was able to do, um, if he was actually still alive. But another I mean, thing I could, that, see him, I could see him as Neo in the Matrix. He's got that, that charisma. Awesome. I mean, then again, then we won't have Keanu Reeves. I mean, it's right. just, it's like what that, but I mean, he, he, like, like I said, I mean, there's so many movies I could see Brandon Lee in. They would have True. done such a great job with, cause he's just great. Now, with another thing too, is the reason why this uh, whole entire thing is hex pretty much too, with the remake, the studio that they were going to use actually got bankrupt. <laughs> and therefore they had to go and find another studio that would actually take the reins for it. No other studio wanted to touch it. You, like you yeah. said, you had Jason Momoa, which I was okay with Jason Momoa. I looked at fan concept artwork for the Jason Momoa's look. I was sold on it. I was sold on the fact because at first I was like, ah, I don't really care about another Crow remake or whatever. Yeah. I said, I'm, at this point, I was like, I was done reporting this whole entire thing because every single day it was always the Crow remake. Yeah. If you like for like the last four or five months, it was nothing but about the Crow remake. To the point where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm tired of even yeah. reporting this. And yeah, I mean. Bradley Cooper was attached to it, and I would have been okay with that one, too. I think he would have played a good crow. <laughs> right. So, let's see. What Do you have another movie that you want to mention? Or oh, Yeah, I got a few other ones. Um, my my next one on my list, I think I had that number five, was The Crucible. Um, that was... Um, I, it was based off the play I read in uh, high school. I didn't like it for the sack for the fact that the good people didn't make it in that movie. Just because some teenage girls felt like, oh, I want to do rich witchcraft, and that the whole same on witch trials, and how gullible they were about how everybody bought into what they had to do. And I'm like, come on. You know they're faking, but they just didn't pick up on it. But it's just, I don't know, it's just, I always like, I don't like it when the bad guy wins, or bad people win. I like justice. That from the Crucible in general, that was not justice. That was just cowardly. See, I don't mind. Uh, here's the thing. I haven't seen this movie at all. Okay. But okay. I'm okay if there's like a bad guy that wins sometimes just for it to be different. But it depends on this how they one, actually do it. Yeah, this one was just, oh, it, it's based off the play, so I don't know if like, people read it in high school. It just from the the details of it and the imagination about how and everybody's like like about how big deal this the Salem witch trials were in that time period, but it's just the fine line between yeah if it's a bad guy that gets away with it because they're smart. This wasn't smart. <laughs> oh God. Right. Um, it's I think it had Daniel Day Lewis in it. Um, he and then I, Daniel Day Lewis was in it. I think. Uh, Winona Ryder was in it. Um, Joan Cusack was in it too. Not Joan okay, Cusack. Uh, Joan, Joan Allen. I did see that yeah. movie. I saw the movie in theater yeah. class. Matter yeah, of fact. That, that was okay because I did remember reading the play, the screenplay for it. Yeah, I did I remember. Just... Okay. Yeah, let me ask yeah. you something. Okay, this is how I'm actually going to remember. But at the very beginning, does it have like them being naked at the very beginning of the movie and a pale moonlight yep. kind of setting? Okay, yeah, yep, I've Dan seen it. Fire. Yep. 
Okay. Like and yeah, I thought it was boring. Like, yeah, or I just didn't like the ending. I mean, like I mean, you had a good man like this instead of like he he went he went out the honorable way, but it's like he shouldn't have done that anyway because the people just didn't buy into. He was telling the truth the whole time and nobody cared. Okay. Um. So I don't um, have anything left on my list, so I'm just gonna let you go on. All right. So a few like a few others I had on here. Um. This one I watched a few years ago. It was like a, it might have been a directed DVD movie called The Funeral. Um, it started Christopher Walken. It was some weird mob movie, but it wasn't mobby. It was just long, dull, boring, nothing like nothing to come out of it. Oh, wow, I haven't seen that one. Uh, um, see, she says hello. Hey, Roxy. My next one. <laughs> uh, my next one we can discuss. I have number three, D three, The Mighty Ducks. Is my number third and my worst. Oh. This one should not have been. This one should not have been made. This honestly, oh, they should have just stopped at the second one. That unless like you, you would have only done the third one if you had Coach Bombay do something with the college kids, not have him briefly appear like maybe a total of five minutes the whole movie. I mean, come on! I want to watch the Mighty Ducks for Amelia Estevez. <laughs> See, I liked it. I actually enjoyed the, all three of those films, though. But you see, I love the first one. Like, like, the second one's my favorite. Then they did this one, and like, the, eh. I don't know. I just, I mean, like a lot of the, the the lovable characters from the second one were not in part of this one. Or you had Adam Banks on the opposing team, or just I don't know. And it's just, and then it was just, and then the coach just not be like being a hard ass, and then coming together. It's just, I don't know. I just. And even more Emilio Estevez. It's just, I don't know. It's just one of those disappointment ones. You see, for me, I felt like it worked because of the fact that, yeah. you know, it's about kids growing up. And yeah. kids grow up and grow apart from people they're actually familiarized with. For instance, Emilio yeah. Estevez's character. So as they yeah. go and move on, they're looking at new friendships. They're looking at new and a new place mm-hmm. that's totally different than what they are trying to fit into a system that doesn't even accept them because they're outcast. And yeah. you have that going on at the same time too, that they don't know what to do because they've been so used to being taught by coach Bombay yeah. and everything. And they're used to the coach Bombay system where this hard ass mm-hmm. coach has no system at all. Yeah. So, you know, it's, and even coach Bombay says you have to look at the inside of the person and know what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then once Charlie actually sees that his uh, daughter is actually, um, you know, is pretty much confined to a wheelchair, you know, that's when Charlie winds up coming from a perspective from the coach. So, I mean, I I like it for what it was. I felt like it was a good growing kind of film for for that kind of thing. But I understand on your level, though, too, that you wish that there was more Coach Bombay in this, though, as well. So I actually respect that. And there's a lot of the kids that weren't that were in the second one that I thought, okay, I figured they'd be part of this. Like, like you only had like I don't think you had you only had like half of the Bash Brothers in this one. Like, yeah, I mean, like I like those two guys, and it's just funny that one of the Bash Brothers played uh, Foggy Nelson in the Daredevil series. That's true. He did play Foggy. I forg- I knew he looked familiar, but I didn't realize that was him. But he's also the guy. Right. He was also the mute in uh the Hunger Games. Uh, he was part of the uh, the camera crew in the Hunger Games. The guy that didn't speak at all. Um, he was part right. of Natalie Dormer's team. I mean, it's just. I mean, you had half of them. I'm like the Bash Brothers not being in it, and then he just. It's just. I don't know. I was just. 
disappointed with that one. Okay. Um, my number two was uh, Escape from L.A., um, the sequel to Escape from New York. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I like Escape from New York. I think this one was just another just another paycheck for Kurt Russell. I don't think he really felt like trying in this one. It's like the whole story and this was the, the really bad CGI, him surfing, the really bad CGI. I just, it was just bad. <laughs> See, I actually enjoyed that one. Okay. I like the first one better. Hold on one second. Okay. But yeah, I, I I don't know. I think this one was just like too gimmicky. Like it's just like this this the same idea, but just in the just in L.A. instead of New York. <laughs> you see, I actually enjoyed that one though. I actually enjoyed Escape from L.A. and everything because of the cheesiness of it. It's John Carpenter mm-hmm. at his best. He's sur- they're doing surfing and things like that. Um, as an earthquake is actually happening, you know, I thought that was actually pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, and then Steve Buscemi's actually in this movie though too. Yeah, he plays the tour guy. So I, I thought that was actually pretty... in a gruesome way or not. I'm not 100 percent sure. It's been a while. Yeah, since he died. He died. He died. Yeah, he, died. yeah. He, he he he's like like the 90s version of Sean Bean. He dies, but he dies in the gruesome way possible. <laughs> right. So let's see here. So I think and that's then, all. What's up? Yeah, and our number ones were the same, or the crow. Um, turn it like, like I can't really like what else came out this year that um I would have put on. I know um I know there was a female led movie called Set Them Up, which is a bunch of I think it was like Jada Pinkett Smith was in it, Queen Latifah. Yep. That yep. was out this year. I just it just didn't really seem to fit my list, so that's why I didn't include it. Yeah, it was about a bank robbery heist type yeah. movie. Yeah, so that, that um, was actually pretty good. Yeah, John C. McKinley. Oh, like that was a very young John C. McKinley was a part of this. All right, so that's gonna actually do it for tonight's episode, guys. I'm so glad that you guys actually had a chance to actually come in and talk about movies and things like that. Go on and comment below and tell us what movies were your worst type of movies and everything for the uh, 1996. We would like to actually know. Comment in those comments section below. Another thing too, guys, is we're gonna I'm going to be back on tomorrow night. I'm actually going to be joined by Jason again. We're actually going to be reviewing uh, the movie Chef with Jon Favreau. We're going to be doing that tomorrow night. And then Monday, uh, Mike Perkins Jr. is going to be back on the audio-only version of the podcast, and we're going to be talking about Season 4 of The Sopranos Part 2. And then we're going to go into our Season 5 review coming up for the following week. And that's going to be all that I think that we're going to be doing for this week. I just have to figure out what else we're going to do because I know that I want to try and get another show in somewhere. But, you know, just stay tuned for updates and everything else, of course. Another thing, too, guys, if you guys are actually wanting to donate, you guys don't have to. Go on ahead. Uh, go to the GoFundMe page below, click the link below and do that. Another thing too, if you guys want to follow me, go to www.movielovesunite.com for all your entertainment needs. You can also follow me on Twitter at John Gorio8 and also too on Movie Lovers Unit on uh, Twitter as well. You guys can also catch me on the Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite, Unite Facebook page with Charlie and I. 
on the Facebook page for that one. And then, of course, you know, you can go to the Pinterest page, Movie Lovers TV, Lovers Unite. And we also have, of course, uh, Instagram for Movie Lovers TV, Lovers Unite. And always until next time, guys, it's been fun. It's been real. I keep safe, everyone. And I hope everyone had a great new year. And always until next time. Bye-bye. Uh-huh.